everyone. This is the Cross Country Sports Podcast. We're back. We're here. We just witnessed an NFL Week 1 to remember because it's just like every other NFL week. You never know what's going to happen. We didn't even have a chance to go back through our picks from the last episode and make a case for why one of us did really poorly. No, I'm not going to mention names or anything. I just know it, went, it went so bad for me. I, knew, I, I already know I got at least, I think, like seven or eight wrong. Um, but ooh, just a brutal week. Seven or eight uh, in a 16, game, or 16 uh, team slay. That's that's about 50% that you're treading right there. But that was the voice. Of all, can, I, can I just tell you, like, how wrong we were to, like, criticize the Eagles as much as we did? Like, right. I, know they played, I, I know they played Atlanta, and Atlanta is, like, historically the clowns of the NFL. But, I mean, they looked good. They were firing. That offense is so cohesive. Jalen Hurts is, I think he's the real deal. Um, again, Atlanta, uh, last year, uh, Russell Wilson just dotted up Atlanta uh, in the first game. But, like, Hurts looked really poised and comfortable. He throws a beautiful ball, just great touch. And I just, like, I just, I, I, I instantly feel bad for how critical I was of Philadelphia leading up to game one. Because, man, I, they, they really impressed me. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna give you the 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 brunt of that because you said that Atlanta would be really good this year and they looked awful. But then we both said that Philadelphia would be really bad this year in our outlook, and they looked amazing picking up that thirty-two to six win over the Falcons in Atlanta. By the way, that's Elijah Zalonki that you're hearing. This is Noah Friedman talking, and we are the hosts of the Cross Country Sports Podcast. Um, didn't want to get too carried away with that, but. Yes, in terms of the Philadelphia Atlanta game, I'm sure that you were able to watch it a little bit more than I was, but um, super impressed with Jalen Hurts, super impressed with Nick Sirianni's game plan on offense. And you, you got to talk about the Eagles defense, only giving up six points. Derek Barnett, Hassan Ridgeway, Brandon Graham, those guys each had a sack. So it was oh, yeah. overall really dominant good. game by Philadelphia. And they're not paying over $200 million for that defensive line, I don't think. So uh, <laughs> it's true. Still getting really good production out of it um i will say uh, i still think the falcons will make the playoffs because they are you know sometimes it just takes them a little while to find their stride and sometimes they don't have a stride um but uh i just like i just want to throw out there that i'm really really impressed with philadelphia uh and they are now the sole they they are the like the only team uh at the top of the nfc east right now uh Amazing. That's true. That's right. The The Giants lost to the Broncos and the Cowboys, of course, as we mentioned before in our podcast, lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Washington football team lost in the final minute to the Los Angeles Chargers, which is another game that I wanted to talk about if we could transition there for a second, because Brandon Staley in his coaching debut won. He became the Chargers head coach after serving one season under Sean McVay's staff as the defensive coordinator of the Rams. And I... I first of all, I called this game. By the way, I said that the I said the Chargers would come in and, and beat Washington. You went the other way. But I, I was wrong. You, I was wrong. You, you were wrong, but I was wrong on some picks too that you were right on. So um, we can always uh, okay. I mean, share. I I this is one of those that really could have gone either way. But like the Washington defense, kind of was kind of disappointing towards the end of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, that by the way, that play where Herbert fumbled through the end zone, one of the funniest plays I've seen in a really long time. Like that was. <laughs> Great football comedy. Really enjoyed it. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was that was that was definitely one of the more fun games of the week. But Herbert, 
is just such an impressive specimen. Let me tell you. It was. And, and one of the things that really caught my eye, because I, again, I didn't watch this game in, in full because I was working, but I saw that Ryan Fitzpatrick injured his hip and he went down and he's now on IR. So he can't come back for another seven weeks or eight weeks, I believe it is. So Taylor Heineke came in, tried to. Uh, Charles Leno, former bear, uh, Washington left tackle got worked inside. uh, And um, uh, Fitzpatrick took the brunt end of that. And now we're going with ODU alum. I say ODU alum, I work at ODU uh, part-time. And um, yeah, you do. You know, we're big, uh, big Taylor Heineke guys over uh, where I'm at. Um, so it's exciting for Heineke, you know, finally getting a start. He was great in the, his one start in the wild card last year against Tampa Bay, right. uh, playing with all the house money in the world. But still, he was really good. Um, and I, I like to see what he could do. I think he could do a really good job. You know, he spent a lot of time as a backup learning from some, um, you know, quality NFL quarterbacks. Um, and I just I think that he will cer- almost certainly be. Uh, in a position to succeed because I do think the Washington defense is very good and they have, you know, Logan Thomas, really good tight end, uh, Antonio Gibson, really solid running back. McKissick's a decent backup and obviously scary Terry wide receiver. Um, you know, like he's got the weapons, like it, it is a very ideal situation for a quarterback. Um, so, you know, like I am excited to see how that goes, but really too bad, for, really too bad for Fitzpatrick. Yeah, just just to unpack again, Heineke came in after Fitzpatrick went down with the hip injury, completed 11 of 15 passes, 122 in the air and a touchdown. But then it was Antonio Gibson's fumble um, late in the game that basically cost Washington um, that win as well. But um, I love what Chase Young said after that game, even though they they lost. He said that Taylor Heineke could not only start for the Washington football team, he could start for any NFL franchise right now. If you were just to plug and play Taylor Heineke, I thought that was incredible. He's got support from his. No, you, you, you froze up. You said, you, you said you were saying Chase Young's quote and I didn't hear it. Can you say it again? Okay. Chase Young's quote. And I'm not quoting it. Yeah. I'm not quoting it in full. It's a, uh, it's uh, abbreviated, but he basically said that Heineke not only can start for the Washington football team, but that he could start for any NFL franchise right now, if you were to plug and play. And that is is high praise from high praise from. Yeah. Obviously the best uh, defensive player on Washington's team, but also one of the best young defenders. But yes, that's a fair point. Yes. Um, And um, Terry McLaurin, who you mentioned as well is um, a great fit for Washington and he has the support of Taylor Heineke as well. So um, it'll be very interesting to see what Ron Rivera does in terms of that game plan, how they go about, uh, working Taylor Heineke back in and I mean he's going to be in there for the long haul and again no we have to see if uh, Washington might want to sign Cam Newton uh, I don't know but... bring Cam on. if honestly I, I like the idea of signing Cam like in a week eight week nine setting you right know, winning team who might need a quarterback that is like that is the move especially now with you know I, like the, the surplus of good quarterbacks in the NFL um I really think that that would be a great move. And there's something that like kind of you suggested, Um, you know, originally I was on the train of like, he could be like a red zone quarterback for a team, or, I mean, I still think he could be a franchise quarterback. I still think he could start somewhere, but um, you know, like if every starting job is taken, I think he'd be a really good red zone guy, but I think it makes even more sense to plug him in later in the season uh, when his legs are fresh and he could just kind of come in, um, run a simplified playbook just because he wouldn't have learned it wouldn't have had time to learn it for training camp and everything. Um, 
but yeah, no, I'm a, you know, I, that, that I want to go back to your Chase, the Chase Young quote, because I think that, uh, you know, obviously Chase Young knows what he's talking about, not only because he's a great player, but because he's played uh, Taylor Heineke on the scout team on numerous occasions. So, um, and, and like, that's just not like, I feel like that's not something that you just say like, oh no, he's like, you know, like, I don't think that Chase Young would say that if he didn't actually believe that Taylor Heineke is very good. Uh, surely it's going to help his confidence for sure going forward. Um, but I, I don't think that that was the intention. Like, I think that he said it cause he means it. And I think that like, I like what I've seen from Heineke. I think he's got a good pocket presence. Uh, and he's kind of a fun little scrambler. So, um, that'll be fun to watch. That'll be a fun game Thursday night. Yeah, they will. Yeah. And we're going to preview that as we go along in this episode of the cross country sports podcast. But uh, Elijah, can we stay in the NFC for one moment? I know that the chargers and Washington football team was not an NFC matchup completely, but um, one of the things that really caught my eye, and this is the highlight that I did at Fox on my Sunday shift, I watched Jameis Winston return to <laughs> Florida State prominent James Jameis Winston against the Green Bay Packers. And I know that you're going to love to talk trash about the Packers right now because the Saints blew them out 38-3. to I thought that the offensive game plan that Sean Payton and uh, Pete Carmichael ran for Jameis Winston in that offense, perfection. 38-3 to victory over the Packers. In Jacksonville, they had to move. They, they were working out in Texas. They trained at TCU. Then they flew from TCU over to Jacksonville where they prepped for their game. They did their walkthrough, and then they blew out the Packers, 38-3. to Come on, Elijah. you got to have something for that. I mean, no, yeah, I, I do. Uh, obviously, great game plan by Sean Mc, uh, not Sean McVay, Sean Payton. Uh, two Another great, great coaches, Sean. Two great coaches in the NFC named Sean. But, um, Felt the same way, too, S-E-A-N. The wrong way, but yes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I – Loved that game plan. You know, he didn't have to throw the ball much. You know, they they ran the ball with uh, Kamara, obviously, who won me uh, my fantasy game, by the way. So, woo-woo. Uh, Kamara, they ran it with him uh, 20 times, Tony Jones 11 times, uh, and Taysom Hill had a couple carries here and there, and uh, Winston ran it themselves a few. Um, but, uh, yeah, like the Saints did a great job spreading the ball around, really making sure a lot of people uh, got touches, and – they they had an excellent game plan. Now for the Green Bay side, pump breaks on. Uh, you know I, I've read commentary that Aaron Rodgers just like his heart's not in it that he's like, trying to you know not trying to lose but maybe like you know not doing as well as he could because he wants to get traded. Bullshit. Right Absolute garbage. He's he's like they had a bad game. All right, and it, it was you know I look. There's a difference between an excuse and an explanation, okay? And th- I'm not making excuses for Green Bay because they got their asses handed to them in Jacksonville. Um, but I am, like, part of why it happens is, like, playing in Florida in September, this time of year, when it is this humid and hot, especially Jacksonville. 110 is, degrees on the field, by the way. I just wanted to mention It's, it's a death wish. It's a death wish. Like, they, like they weren't going to be in sync. And I should have I seen that coming. Now, New Orleans is used to it. Like, they go down to Tampa and play Tampa every single year. Um, and, you know, obviously, like, they live in hot, hot New Orleans. And they probably do some outdoor practices and things. Uh, and it's just like they – like, New Orleans is definitely used to that. Green Bay is not used to that. Uh, it was a very – like, Gr- Green Bay is – if I'm a Packers fan, which, oh, God, could never. But, um, like, they they should not be too worried. You know, like, it's a bad loss. It's an ugly loss. But um, 
and yeah, Rodgers didn't look very good at all, but you know, a couple things just didn't go their way. Green Bay could not run the ball, uh, even though they were at, they had, um, they had numbers advantages, um, you know, like very, uh, light boxes, but they still couldn't run the ball. And, you know, when you're playing from behind and you have light boxes, uh, and you still can't run, you, it, it's a death wish. Like it, it is not, uh, just a not ideal situation. Uh, I will say I was listening to Pat McAfee because Aaron Rodgers went on, um, and he said, you know, I don't make excuses for interceptions, but the first one he threw early in the game, uh, when the Packers were down 17 to three, I don't know if you've heard this yet, Noah, but, uh, uh, did you, did you hear his reason for throwing that pick? No, I did not go for it. So apparently he got punched in the balls. Oh yeah. Uh, which you watch the tape and it kind of looked like he did. Um, which makes sense because you don't usually see Rodgers make a throw that inaccurate. Um, but, uh, you know, kind of a freak incident. But uh, Akeem Hicks, take notes, all right? Because, uh, you know, we got to play the Packers twice this year. Uh, Khalil Mack, make sure that, uh, you know, we might have uh, might have found his weakness. Um, so just uh, there should keep that in mind. So, But, uh, but yeah, but in all seriousness, though, like that, uh, you know, like I, I imagine that is a real hindrance on that play. It was a seven-point halftime swing. Uh, they ended up going into halftime, I believe, down twenty-four to three, um, or um, or they went down. Um, oh no, yeah, it was still they, seventeen to three. But they they, they were go- they were going for points. Could have been seventeen to ten. It ended up being seventeen to three at halftime, and then right. the city just ran away with it. And then right. the other thing was just an arm punt that was returned very well. Uh, and yeah. arm punts aren't bad. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. My point is the point. The entire point of this is. Aaron Rodgers is fine. He'll be fine. Next week they play the Lions. They're going to beat them by 30. Yeah. I mean, but we we thought that you thought that would be the case when they played New Orleans. You said that Green Bay would blow them out by at least 14. I remember that. You you had that on record. This is true. I totally, I just didn't factor in Jacksonville. I didn't factor in Aaron Rodgers getting kicked in the nuts and (laughs) punched in the nuts. And I, um, like, like I said, I, I just underestimated the Saints. That's straight up. Yeah, uh, Saints are a little better than the Lions. It's 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 amazing what the Saints did. Their their balance, both yeah. on offense and defense, was was incredible. Jameis Winston threw for less than two hundred yards, and he threw five touchdowns. It's incredible. I mean, oh, I don't yeah. understand. And, and he did this all without his top wide receiver target, Michael Thomas. So there's your there's your starter right there. The post Drew Brees era in New Orleans has gotten off to a fantastic start. Oh Plus, yeah. Going back to what. You said about Green Bay. So I watched the press conferences for both Matt LaFleur, the head coach, and Aaron Rodgers. LaFleur said that he didn't get his team ready to play. That sounds like an excuse to me. But it also signifies to me that they had no idea what they were doing, like you had mentioned, because they're not used to these kinds of conditions. Rodgers, on the other hand, when he was talking about holding himself accountable, that he played terribly and that the team played terribly, he said that the Packers went to Jacksonville in 2016 and he said that the field was even hotter then than it was now. But that still wasn't an excuse for how badly they played now. But another thing that I found interesting, the first interception you talked about, it was made by a guy named Paulson Adibo, who is just a great find by New Orleans at this point. 2021, third round draft pick, 76 overall, played his oh, ball at Stanford. Right. Yeah. So, right. so, so I already I feel like he's jump-started his career by intercepting the reigning MVP of this league. And the saints have found an absolute gem um, at the corner. And then also on the other side, Marshawn Lattimore signed an extension with the saints, making him the highest paid cornerback in the national football league at this moment. The second one was 
as you said, he's getting paid to guard Mike Evans. I think it's so great. Like, yeah. It's so funny that matchup because Evans is a great receiver, but he can't do anything against Lattimore. It's incredible what the NFL produces these days. But um, like you said, on the, on the arm punt, the, the second pass was just bad. It was the smell of desperation. Marcus Williams was back there. They played probably a, a single high safety oh, at yeah, that point. What, um, what happened is basically um, Roger said, you know, like third and long own territory, you know, it's a good time to take a shot. What he thought was going to happen is he assumed that Marcus Williams was going to take Devonte Adams, who was running, I think, a corner. Um, but uh, uh, Williams didn't do that. He ran with uh, Valdez Scantling, um, and Rogers put it up there and just overshot his target by a million yards. Uh, so, like that—that's the explanation. Again, not an excuse, an explanation. Um, you know, he just misread the coverage, or he just like he tried to be intuitive and wasn't like. It makes sense, you know, like the, the Saints are going to, like you know, any smart team who plays the Packers, the, the way to guard Devontae Adams, you know, you want to take, like he's their best threat. So you'll assume that a safety is going to be helping over the top of Adams, leaving one-on-one with Scantling. Uh, obviously it wasn't the case on this play. Um, so I, um, and I think that an arm, like obviously Williams was able to return it very, very well, but like, you know, what's the difference between, you know, uh, an interception that gets caught at the opponent's 30 yard line and a punt that gets caught at the opponent's 30 yard line. The only thing is, I guess like you practice punt coverage, but it's still like it's the same idea, third and long, fourth and long, you know, they're going to punt anyway. Um, but still like the only uh, variable there was the return by Williams. Either way, point being, uh, yeah, definitely a bad throw, but like, like there are interceptions that you could budget for and third and long is not the worst time to throw there, there was nothing that necessarily factored into the actual game outcome for the second interception. It was just a real eyesore to watch, and it was probably the easiest interception that Marcus Williams will have in his entire NFL career. So, looking there at that, a, but, there was a garbage, uh, like just a garbage roughing the passer call on uh, Zadarius Smith of Green Bay. There that's right, Green on the Jameis Winston interception, and it was it was the first oh. time that Jameis had actually snapped his. Um, game streak of having at least one turnover but it was on a it was on yeah. a pick um in the red zone but then Zadarius Smith got called for pass interference so it ended up That's getting negated rough, anyway rough, rough the passer. yes right and then so terrible terrible call it, 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 it wasn't great it was a huge momentum swinger but again I don't think it necessarily factored into how the actual game was played out but the oh, same did a great, the outcome, but I don't like that call still the Saints did a call. great job of running the football keeping Aaron Rodgers off the field taking time off the clock and then the defense, the front seven of the Saints, led by Demario Davis, the signal caller, um, the linebacker for the Saints, and then Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, um, did an absolute great job getting ahead. Also, cornerback uh, recently cut by the Chicago Bears, Desmond Trufant played in the game, and I don't think he did great, but he didn't do bad. I mean, he's no. Desmond Trufant, their average player. Uh, like, like as far as I, I always say, I think Desmond Trufant, even before he was with the Bears, I said like he is probably the most average defensive player in the history of sports. Um, but, um, which is, I mean, it's good. Like he's still great because he's in the NFL, but like, um, but it's just my point being like, you know, I think the bears might need a little help in their secondary. Uh, and if only we had a seasoned veteran, uh, like the saints do in Desmond Trufant, uh, you know, which I'm being facetious cause we did have him, but yeah, anyway, there's still the trade deadline. You never know if there's a reunite, a reunited factor in this, but we're not going to, I mean, like, that's not, that's not practical i don't think just because like i mean you know if they cut him like 
they wouldn't try to bring him back. And I don't think they should try to bring him back at this point, you know, like, uh, but uh, it was, just, it's just my, my point, my point being that like, you know, it's just weird who the bears cut to see, like, it's, it's weird to see the bears cut players who end up doing really well on other teams when the bears have players that can't cover worth a damn, but um yeah, we'll, we'll 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 get to the Bears. You want to get to the Bears? Now? There's de- there's defensive woes. Um, there's there's a couple of games that I want to talk about before we talk about the Bears. So I'm with you. there's 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 one of there there was a game that was played during the four o'clock window, the one twenty five window here Pacific time that I saw basically from a string of text messages because me and Elijah are in a fantasy football league with some of our former um, camp friends at Camp JC Shalom and Elijah, you were actively participating in the conversation with a bunch of other people in our group chat about the Kansas city chiefs overcoming uh, another deficit and beating the Cleveland Browns at Arrowhead stadium in Kansas city. Um, it moves Patrick Mahomes to 11 and 0 in the month of September since he's become a starting quarterback. Um, the chiefs did it again. You watch the game from start to finish. And I want to hear your thoughts on this 33 to 29 victory that the chiefs got over the Browns because I, I looked at the highlights afterwards. I really thought the Browns had it in the bag, but it seemed like the chiefs just were able to overcome every sort of obstacle that the Browns threw at them and get the victory. The chiefs are essentially, uh, did you know, I, I read, um, I didn't read. I, I heard from, um, I was listening to Colin Coward, uh, you know, your, uh, your colleague. My cohort. Yes. Your colleague. Um, I was listening to him, and uh, apparently, the uh, Patrick Mahomes is twenty-five and ten when trailing in his career, which is just unbelievable, just unbelievable. And um, yeah, he looked—I mean, like he just was doing his magic. You know, he uh, basically the big turning point in that game. The the, the Browns they had a slim lead at halftime, but then um, I believe it was—I uh, think Nick Chubb. Oh yeah, Nick Chubb fumbled. He's on my fantasy team. Uh, yep. He fumbled. Um, and, uh, that was obviously huge. And then I think Pat Mahomes threw a, like just a touchdown pass, like while he was rolling out of the pocket where just threw it up. Uh, he didn't really look where he was throwing it. Uh, and of course, Tyreek Hill runs under it, makes the catch and just like walks into the end zone. Um, cause that's what the chiefs do. And even miles Garrett was quoted after the game saying, yeah, that wasn't a good throw. And I don't think that's him being salty. I think, well, maybe it is a little salty, but, um, like he's not wrong. You know, it wasn't a good throw. Uh, it was just you know, give your guy a chance, but then technically it is a good throw because it works, right? You know, anything, you know, we're graded on results, not style. Um, the, and that, you know, brought the chiefs within two. And then at that point, uh, the, uh, the Broncos just couldn't move the ball on offense. Uh, the moment, the momentum had swung. Uh, if I'm a Browns fan, the Browns should not be worried, even though since 1999, meaning for their whole existence, uh, there are one, 21 and one in opening games, uh, which is just remarkable. Uh, that's why I remarked on it. Um, but I, I think, you know, Baker Mayfield still look really good. He is so fun to watch because that dude does not, like he doesn't slide. He wants to be one of those physical players and it's just really fun to watch him. Like there was one point during the game where uh, you should definitely watch the end of the first half when the, the Browns go down, uh, the Browns are up 22 to 10. Uh, they were driving, trying to get into field goal range, but, you know, like they didn't have enough time. So they did like this lateral play where Jarvis Landry flipped it over to Baker Mayfield. Um, they had already gained like 40 yards at this point. They were down around the 10 yard line and Baker, um, you know, like uh, I believe on that play, he, like, he got the ball 
and he ended up flipping it to Kareem Hunt, I think it was. And Baker got, you know, he got drilled. He just got leveled on that play. And, you know, where mo- I feel like most QBs would have gotten flagged or would have at least complained about it. Baker was fine. You know, he just popped right up. Like, he's like, I just like that he's such a gamer and he- he's really easy to root for, I find. Um, but, you know, like, then again, late in the game, when his team was behind, he struggled to move the ball. And at one point he was trying to throw the ball away, but he couldn't get enough strength under it because he was, he had gotten hit just as he threw it. And that's what gave the chiefs the ball and let them run out the clock. Um, I, it was a very, um, and it was a great game, kind of a bummer that the chiefs won just because at this point we're all rooting against the chiefs uh, because they are, you know, I, I just like rooting for the underdog, uh, but the Browns have a lot to build on, you know, like I, like I, I see a moral victory for them, uh, even though people don't like moral victories, definitely something to build on going into Arrowhead, beating the best team in the NFL or in the AFC. Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like where the Cowboys are at after beating the Bucks. You know, uh, they had a great performance from their dubious quarterback. And, um, and uh, they looked really good against a really great team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, like, my main takeaway is just, like, both these teams, like, there is a very, very, very good chance that we will see a rematch between Kansas City and Cleveland. Also... We already talked about the AFC West, or you mentioned the Broncos fleetingly, uh, and we talked about the Chargers. Uh, Chiefs have to watch their backs because Denver and uh, Los Angeles both look very, very, very good, uh, and they could definitely uh, give the Chiefs some headaches. Uh, I would say the Raiders look very good, but that was a fluky game, so I'm not – I'm still not sold on the Raiders yet, but anyway, sorry. I talked a lot. I'm really happy that you mentioned the Raiders because I want to get to them in a second, but the one stat that you threw out that caught my eye and I kind of want to build off of that was you said the Browns are what? one twenty one and one since 1999 when they came back into the NFL, right? Yep. For the opening yep. games. Yeah. Yep. So, so they have not won a season opener since week one of the 2004 season. That's 17 straight losses now for the Cleveland Browns, but this is not, your father's Cleveland Browns team. This is now this generation's Cleveland Browns team with the guy like Baker Mayfield, like you said, just brings a whole aura, a whole different kind of energy that I feel like hasn't been seen in that city's football team um, since the heydays of the mid to late 80s Cleveland Browns teams with uh, with Bernie Kosar at quarterback. Those aren't the Browns, those are the Ravens. That's very true, and but but still, you you, you still have to attach them. I, I, I don't attach them. I they are different franchises, in my opinion. I will stick to that. Believe me, I've given this a lot of thought. Uh, like that okay. is, but I will die on that hill. But not right now. We won't talk about it. But yes, uh, fair enough. But yes. you you mentioned the Raiders because this was without a doubt an- another crazy football game in the NFL, and it was really was, it 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 was awesome to watch the the Raiders end up winning the game in overtime and this is another highlight I did at work and I was just astounded by basically everything that I saw and the turning point for me was the last two possessions that each team had so Lamar Jackson had the ball it was about seven minutes to go in the game and he ends up fumbling it for the second time in the game leads the Raiders to getting the ball back in Ravens territory. And then on second down, they end up sending out Daniel Carlson, their field goal ticker to try and ice the game because they had had possession before. So it was sudden death. Whoever scored the next points won the game. And 
Then oh, so bad. And that then was- John Gruden says, you know what? Screw it. We're gonna put Derek Carr back out there. And well, they got to delay a game penalty. They got to delay a game penalty. He was he was gonna go out there for I think it was a fifty-one yarder at that point. And then they ended up getting a delayed game penalty. It was going to be 46 and then it went to 51. So 46 and 51. Thank you. And then John Gruden says, you know what? We're going to put Derek Carr back out there. And Carr on the last possession had flung the ball into the end zone. It went off of Deshaun Elliott's helmet and was intercepted by Marlon Humphrey in the end zone, giving the Ravens a chance to win the game. Um, it was like neither team really deserved to win. Nobody was playing to win the game. Um, yeah. As Herm Edwards, the now ASU football player, win the game. Right, exactly. So anyway, Carlson comes out. They get the delay of game penalty. Carlson goes back to the sideline. Derek Carr comes in. He ends up hitting Zay Jones on a wide open pass. I think it was a 33 yard touchdown to win yep. the game. Uh, for, Ravens for the brought Ravens. A, and they brought a house, you know. I was years. astounded by everything that i saw to that point i mean the game was so good in itself and it deserved overtime but there were so many decisions on both sides of the ball that i just thought to myself what is going on here and- i also want to mention real quick lamar did fumble you know and by the way shout out carl nasib first openly gay nfl yeah, carl nasib yep nasib thank you uh i like the nasib but uh uh he was the one who made the play on lamar jackson too uh granted it was because max crosby drew a double team um, it's almost like you don't need to pay a hundred plus million dollars for pass rush. Anyway, sorry. Um, but, um, point being, uh, Crosby got a double team, uh, Nassib got in there, got the sack, uh, took the ball away from Lamar, uh, put the Raider, Raiders in position to win the game. Um, but the play before I believe, uh, Lamar Jackson hit, uh, Mark Andrews over the middle on a crossing route and he dropped it. Um, so point is, it's not like, like a lot of people are like, they'll see the fumble, put all the blame on Lamar. It's not just Lamar. A lot of people on the Ravens screwed up uh, towards the end of the game. Um, you know, like Mark Andrews, usually great tight end, very sure handed tight end, uh, dropped the ball. Um, so I just wanted to point that out um, because narrative surrounding Lamar is that he choked it away, which isn't entirely false, but also it wasn't just him. Um, so anyway, uh, continue what you were saying though. You were, no, 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 no. You make a very good point. Um, I think that since the Monday night nighter, the Ravens have held practice a few times, and I'm sure that the emphasis on each practice side for Lamar Jackson was ball security because Lamar Jackson lost two fumbles on getting hit while he was running. And that's obviously the game plan right now because, like we mentioned in the last podcast, the Ravens had lost their top two running backs and J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards to torn ACLs, and then they lost their third string running back Justice Hill earlier in training camp to a torn Achilles. Yep, yep, so yep, yep. they were relying on Tyson Williams, who you'd mentioned, who I thought, I, I thought he played a very good game. He had no blame in the Ravens losing uh, that 33 I, to 27. Game. I, I would like to counter that. He might have, and look, I can't blame him because again, you know, he's new, uh, but also like, you know, Justice Hill, or not, maybe not Justice Hill, but like a uh, Gus Edwards or JK Dobbins or whoever would have been in the game. Uh, like would have probably picked up Nassib on that play. Um, I, I seem to remember, uh, like, I think Williams might have missed a block there. Uh, I'll have to go back and watch the tape. Point is, you know, like there are just things that running backs do protection wise that Tyson Williams um, just might not be as up to speed on, uh, which makes sense. Cause he's, you know, a rookie. Um, I do think, uh, you know, he's still all things considered. Yes. He did play a very good game, but not having the running backs 
certainly had an effect on Baltimore's performance. Sure. And also, one of the things that I totally buried in this whole conundrum of the Ravens-Raiders game was Derek Carr ended up throwing a what we thought was a touchdown pass with 7-16 to go in overtime to Brian Edwards. That one went 33 yards. The game-winning one to Zay Jones went 31 yards. But in the case of Edwards, he reached out to the pylon. They called the touchdown on the field. Everybody rushed out thinking that the game was over. Of course, it's overtime, so every single scoring review is is done well, by the booth. Well, every scoring play is reviewed anyway, but every, yes. Right, exactly. Well, under two minutes. Um, that's correct. No, every scoring play is reviewed. No, I thought there's. I, I thought you have to challenge it now. No, did they change it back to you have to challenge scoring plays? Maybe that's maybe that's different for for this season. We'll have to clarify. But in any okay. case, the play that I'm talking about, Edwards reaches out for the goal line. They call the touchdown on the field. Everybody runs out thinking the game's over. Sure enough, they go back and review. Edwards is short, clearly, so they go back and they have to play it. Um, Derek Carr ends up throwing the interception later. In the drive. start. Then then uh, start at the goal line. Oh yeah, my god! Right, exactly. It, it was it was first and goal at the one, and then they false started, like you said. So they backed him up five yards, and then Carr threw the interception. Jackson fumbled. Then, then they have the whole decision making process with Carlson. Do they bring him in? Or do they bring him out? And then the delay of game happens. They bring him back out. Carr comes back in, throws the thirty one yard touchdown pass to Zay Jones. Game over. Thirty three twenty seven victory. I I. In, in all the games that I saw this weekend, or at least in full, that was the one to me that was just awesome. Like, that is peak NFL. And, and, and yeah, sure, it was, it was bad in terms of the coaching decision-making, but that literally fuels the fire for what we talk about. So. Yeah, I mean, it was a great game. Like, you know, definitely great theater, like I said. I, I, don't, I don't buy the Raiders. I think that, you know, they uh, kind of lucked into this one. Um, I think that it's kind of a perfect storm with Baltimore just not being at their peak right now. Uh, also, I do think I, I, I really believe we'll see Baltimore bounce back next week. Um, I, I don't remember who they play off the top of my head, but I think that they will win. Uh, I'll check on that actually. Um, but I uh, they they play the um, they, oh, play, the they play Kansas City, so uh, I don't know uh, if you're gonna really maybe, maybe they won't win. But I do think that uh, the, I, that that should be a fun game. It always is a fun game. Sure. Point is that like I mean I just I did not. Um, yeah, like that game was just it was like it was like it was great and it was uh it was fun to watch and all. Um but it wasn't the best football of the weekend. I think that like honestly the Dolphins Patriots game was a great game. Ugly ugly slugfest uh mm-hmm. between two very 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 like-minded coaches uh where the Dolphins got the upper hand at the end because of a couple fumbles by Damian Harris. Um that was a, like that that was like some excellent excellent football. Um just like defensive slugfest. Um, but, you know, we won't go too in-depth about that one because I don't think like, – I think both teams are, like, solid, but not, like – I mean, eh, probably not worth discussing at this point in the season. Uh, let's say Tua did really, really well. Um, Mac Jones with the upper hand, though. That's one thing I think you can take out of it, even though he didn't get the win. But I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly about – two teams just going back and forth, not able to move the ball down the field, a very defensive minded game. And then the dolphins end up coming out on top 17, 16. So um, great, great stalemate. Yes, exactly. And, and I want to close the door on the Raiders game because it's only the third instance in NFL history where, and we didn't even talk about the fourth quarter of that game, but it's the third instance in NFL history where the lead has changed three different times uh, in the last 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. And the only two times that it had happened previously 
was the Cowboys Eagles rivalry 2015. And then 2018, each time the team who took the lead ended up losing the game um, in overtime. So um, the Raiders were the first team to actually come out with a victory after um, those instances of the three lead changes. It also put a carry very WWE. It it, it was like, it's like a very much a performance. Um, And, but again, you know, I love it. You know, I, I do enjoy football and I mean, it was a great game. Uh, so, you know, that's, a walk that's just it, it also yeah. capped uh, the AFC West going 4-0 on the week and, and they, along with the NFC West going 4-0. So, um, yeah, there were two night games um, this weekend or there were two night games the past few days. Right. There is one. Uh, well, really, there are three night games during week one Thursday night opener. Great game. Yep. Monday night was a great game. Sunday night game was really not that fun to watch i gotta say i was just about to ask you about it so we're ready to see the 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 los angeles rams and their new prize possession matthew stafford just absolutely slinging the ball beating the bears 34 14 so unleash elijah i'm ready for you people are very hyped on matt stafford and yes he looked great and yes he's got a cannon i know like i've seen it like i've watched matt stafford every year multiple times not just when he plays the bears obviously when he plays the bears but you know, I, I like watching my division, you know, see what I'm going up against. But also, like, I like watching Stafford because he's very good. So everyone's not like, oh, my God, this Stafford, he's really something. Yeah, I know. You know, y'all just don't watch the Lions. Right. Um, he's been good. Um, but here's the thing. Also, like, he does have a tendency. He's got a little farve in him. You know, like, he will uh, throw picks late in games. Not this game. And you know why he did it in this game? Because the Bears weren't getting virtually any pass rush. Ake- Akeem Hicks. And Robert Quinn had a half sack, but it was mostly a it was mostly a cover sack, uh, coverage sack. Uh, Khalil Mack was pretty much non-existent. I mean, he, they doubled him and tri- and uh, chipped him almost every play, but he doesn't have nearly as much of an impact as he used to. Still a great player because, again, like defenses or offensive coordinators have to game plan for him. You know, you can't leave him single teamed for too long, or he will uh, make an impact. But um, at this point, like if you double him, you can pretty much neutralize him. Um, and you know, we gave up a third and 12, a third and 13 late in the game. Um, like a screen pass that just, there was just shoddy tackling on the first play blunt or the first defensive play for the, or the first, or like one of the, one of the early offensive plays for the Rams, um, their touchdown on that play action, a blown coverage. And then Eddie Jackson and Tayshawn Gibson, two players who have been in the league for a very long time. I think like, 13, 14 years experience between the two of them. They both forgot that it was the NFL and that it wasn't college and they just didn't touch. Uh, I believe it was Jefferson. They didn't yeah, touch him Jefferson. Yep. yep. And, you know, he just. Second play of the game. Yeah. Way. Like, how does that happen? You can't. Like, and, you know, it's one thing. Okay. You know, you, you get bombed for a touchdown. Great. You know, uh, it, it happens. But for that to happen twice in a game is pretty inexcusable. And on the Cooper Cup touchdown, there was no one within 15 yards of him. He was so unbelievably wide open uh and it it was really we lost this game because of our defense like when it comes down to it like the defense just was not prepared they weren't communicating uh the corners did okay but clearly like like when people are getting that wide open it's because of mistakes and any quarterback except maybe mitch risky much of a lovely guy uh could have hit cooper cup on those plays or van jefferson on those plays um, because they were so, so, so ridiculously open. 
Um, Andy Dalton looked very Andy Dalton out there. Uh, he looked terrible, but he looked he he looked mediocre. Well, that's yeah, that's what he is. He's Andy Dalton. He's, yeah, Andy yeah, Dalton. he's, he's the most average quarterback that I think I've ever seen. Yep, he lost the fumble. He um, an interception. An interception in the red zone. Yep. Which, by the way, you know, you bring in Fields. He throws a really nice pass to Goodwin, nine yards, third and one. Why not just leave him in? Like, you know, leave him in, run some zone read at the goal line, and score. You can score a touchdown. No, you have to take him out, put in Dalton. Dalton comes into the game, and they uh, immediately get a false start. You know, I imagine switching quarterbacks will do that. You know, different cadence here and there. It's like it's just a lot. Um, and then third and six, Dalton throws an interception because, you know, like scoring points, taking the lead on the road isn't important. Ugh, I'm still, I'm still pretty bitter about just that oh. first drive. Elijah, were you okay, surprised? David, that- Montgomery, David Montgomery looked great. Uh, I got to like, give him his props because he looked amazing. Elijah, were you surprised that Justin Fields played at all? No, no, I, not at all. I, I knew that he was going to get some playing time. And did you see how excited the bears were when he got his first touchdown? They just ran up. They, they were they were stoked for him. They want him to start, and it's so obvious. The players want him to start. Fans want him to start. I, I, I don't know what the holdup is. Uh, I just think Andy Matt uh, Matt Nagy really wants really wants to see his offense with Andy Reid. But uh, oh man, like just n- not even trying to move the ball downfield. And I know that that's because you know it's hard to throw deep when you got Aaron Donald rushing the passer and you got Jalen Ramsey playing on the back end, but. It's not impossible, you know, do some max protection, you know, run some mesh concepts. And like, I don't know. I just, I really, like, if you looked at Allen Robinson's route tree, I'm pretty sure he didn't run a route more than 15 yards, which is just inexcusable for a top 15 receiver. Um, and I just did not like, I mean, the off, like, yes, the offense moved the ball a little bit. And yes, I, I do commend Nagy for at least running the ball, like sticking to the run with Montgomery, you know, end up with 16 carries even though we're playing behind most of the game, which is good. Like I want to see Montgomery run the ball um, because I think he's the bears best offensive player, but at the same time, offense, very vanilla didn't have much Jalen Ramsey played a hell of a game. He blew up Cody Whitehair. He was all over the place. He was making tackles, uh, breaking up passes. Just, just he's definitely an all pro player. Um, But very disappointed. Uh, like Bears' offense is as uh, vanilla as always, uh, and the defense was just horrendous. Worst defensive performance by the Bears I've seen since Week 16, 2013, when we lost to the Eagles, I think 54 to 11. Um, wow. So, so yeah, I mean, it was just it was just very very bad uh, all around for Chicago. But hey, we're on to Cincinnati. Okay, I have a question for you. I finally get to say that. It was really I have sad, a question for you. Have you do you know how pass um how passer rating is calculated? Because I certainly don't. Um no, I don't. I okay. Agree. So but I, I want to throw this out there because I feel like it's prevalent to the game in hat to hand. And you talked about Stafford and his praise. So Stafford ends up throwing for a one hundred and fifty six point one yard passer rating per live sports. Um that's the highest passer rating in the history of the NFL since that stat was calculated for a team in his opening debut. So, yeah. I, I mean, he, he, he was excellent. Seven of nine, 212 yards, three touchdowns on downfield passes. So, it was like, yeah, but I mean, Jacob DeGrom looked really good when he played, uh, uh, when he went to single A, uh, the St. Louis single A team. Point being, well, obviously the Bears aren't like a, like we're not a JV team, but 
like they were playing like one, like they weren't wrapping up and tackling. And yeah, Stafford had some really good throws uh, where he stood in there, made, you know, like made the plays. Um, but also like, like I said, those touchdowns were, were layups. Like they were not making it hard for him at all. I guarantee you when the Rams play the 49ers, it is not going to be that easy for Stafford. It's not going to be that easy when they play Arizona. It's not going to be that easy when they play Seattle. Uh, the Rams still have their work cut out for them. Although, like, you know, they, they, I still think that they are a Super Bowl team with Stafford. I really do. That's what I you just said, think yeah. that he's not a, like, you know, like, what he did against the Bears was a little bit fluky. A little bit fluky because the Bears defense was playing just horrendously all night. Eddie Jackson, I think, has forgotten how to tackle. Bless his heart. but just doesn't like he made a good tackle on Deshaun Jackson but other than that like he just like he can't wrap up he doesn't hold his ground it's just it's not fun to watch not fun to watch but you yeah. know we get the Eagles next week hopefully we bounce back not a good look like for said, not Cincinnati not, not a good look for new defensive coordinator Sean Desai oh, not at all and he took accountability as he should 100%. And, uh, when guys get that wide open it is it goes back to the coordinator not communicating with the players um so Hopefully they get that figured out because yeah. my God, if if I could just it's going to be a long it's going to be a long season. So I I wish I had as much passion and firepower to talk about the Colts as you did the Bears just now. But if I could just indulge really quickly, okay. um. So as I said, the NFC West went four zero this week. the The Rams beat the Bears. The Seahawks ends up end up going on the road and beating the Colts twenty eight to sixteen. I didn't really get to catch much of this game at all either. Because um, again, I was working, but what I did take out of it was Russell Wilson's passing game is incredible. There's still nothing that he can't do on the football field, and September I was, Russ is pretty pretty hard to stop. No, it's 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 exactly right. It's just a matter of momentum at that point. But um, it really didn't help for the Colts not to have Xavier Rhodes out there. I feel like what he brings to the table and his ability to call out um, passing games down the field is critical and essential. So having him back next week against the Rams should definitely boost boost that Colts pass defense. But it was just non-existent. Russ was just flinging the ball down the field however he wanted. And, and you know, part of why he was able to do that is because they were also uh, running the ball very, very well. You know, like there was balance to that attack. Um, kind of reminiscent to the New Orleans um, and what they were able to do against the Packers as well. But yep, yep, I, yep. I, I really thought that the Colts didn't really develop any sort of identity. This is kind of how it's been since Frank Reich got to Indianapolis in 2018. I feel like there hasn't been any sort of blueprint. It's either we're talking about the offense doing really well one week, but then the defense kind of struggles. That would be the case for this week. Or maybe it was kind of consistent to last season when the defense was the one that was really the MVP and the offense was kind of nonchalant. And Carson... They really couldn't get Jonathan Taylor going this week. No, not at all. And even out of the even out of the backfield as well. I mean, Taylor only rushed for 60 yards um, on the ground. So obviously, that's a very poor performance by him for his standards. But um, I really think that Carson was doing, you know, like on the other side was running great. You know, yeah, the offensive line for Seattle, I I was very surprised about how well they they were able to give Russell Wilson a bunch of chances down the field. And um, there's still no answer for Tyler Lockett. And I was watching my fantasy football team, my money league, not the league that we're in, um, my other league in which I had DK Metcalf. And I was looking and I was like, oh, my God, the Seahawks are blowing out the Colts, but DK Metcalf has zero fantasy points. What's going on here? 
then sure enough, he comes out in the second half, gets 16 fantasy points. So yep. it, yeah. it, it really goes to show that the Colts don't really have any sort of identity at this point. This is how we, I, I talked about it in the last podcast. I said that if this game had happened in week nine or 10, when there was some sort of establishment, I think that the Colts would have a better chance at winning the football game. But Man, this score was the NFC West games are going to be must watch football. Oh my, like these people are going to stay up on the East coast. Oh yeah. No question. Easily. They're going to, they're, they're going to, I mean, ho- hopefully NBC just flexes the hell out of the NFC West and puts all the NFC West games on Sunday night football, because we didn't even talk about this game, but the Arizona Cardinals probably got the best win of the week. 38 to oh, 13 yeah, over the look, Titans. And they look real impressive against Tennessee. Shut down Derrick Henry. Yeah. And Kyler Murray was basically the MVP of week one. He was awesome. The Cardinals offense yeah. is must watch. The Cardinals defense is must watch with JJ Watt and Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. And the list goes on and on. And Buda Baker. I mean, what can't the Cardinals do? They're, they looked awesome against Tennessee, too. Win in, September, uh, win in um, December. <laughs> True. Okay. Look, like, I, look I, the, the, they look great against the Titans, and I'm very impressed with them. I still don't think that their style of play is sustainable throughout the year. Although this year, with the addition of J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones, who got five sacks, right. that, 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 could, that could catapult them. Because when you have a pass rush like that, especially late in the season – that could be huge, but the way they just like, like they air it out like all the time. And I mean, they did run the ball, you know, like actually chase Edmonds and Connor, uh, James Connor combined for uh, 28 carries, but you know, that's, what's going to happen when you have a lead that late in the game. Right. Um, I, I just, I don't know how they will be able to do later in the season, but I think that the NFC West is just going to beat up on the AFC South or the AFC North this year or the AFC, AFC South. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, Why are the Colts in the South? That makes no sense. Anyway, um, but it's called yeah, realignment. I, it's called the Colts being in the AFC Central before they yeah, became yeah. the NFC South when the Houston Texans were incorporated. But that's a, that's a whole other topic. Regardless, to about, but, regardless but, point being, Derrick Henry barely got anything going. He had one nice 19 yard run, but then that didn't get a lot going on offense. Um, you know, Tannehill looked uh, like Miami Tannehill. Uh, he had some good plays, but you know, didn't do much. Um, and Kyler Murray, like you said, I mean, he looked like, he looked like Michael Vick, but like the video game version yeah. he was just unbelievably good. Uh, we're going to see if that offense could continue to be that good week after week after week, because, um, I do think, like I said, this NFC West is going to beat up on each other. Uh, we're going to see some, we're going to see some, uh, <laughs> I just brought up Michael Vick, but we're going to see some dog fights with, uh, you know, Ugh, the, yikes. Uh, too soon. Uh, no, with, uh, Always. the car. The Cardinals and the Niners, uh, especially, I think, you know, that's going to be interesting. And the Rams, of course, uh, it's just, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm just so excited to watch. So, um, yeah, there, there is a reason why Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals was a head coach at one point in his life. And we're starting to see it again because his game plan and execution for what he was able to throw out there with the Cardinals on their player personnel and how they were able to play that three, four was awesome. So, um, yeah. Definitely want to watch the Cardinals this year. I definitely want to see what they can do. Um, they were, is, is, is really coming into his own. Yes, say. he is. He's looking like uh, the Clemson Tigers version of Isaiah Simmons in like the national championship game when they beat Alabama. So um, ama- amazing tape. So we did, we talked about a bunch of games just now. We were spitballing. This is how we're kind of going to go about this week by week. But we didn't even talk about how the 49ers almost blew a lead against the Lions. We didn't talk about um, 
a bunch of other games that I thought were very entertaining because this is literally football. Bengals Vikings was a very good game as well, but um, we, we just don't have enough in the tank to talk about it in terms of, in terms of our breath. You don't want to hear us talking for two hours straight about this stuff, but um, we should go ahead and uh, like preview uh, the next game. Yes, we should preview the next game, but nice toss. Um, (laughs) So the, our, the our, our next game that our NFL fans are going to be watching is going to be on Thursday, the 16th, which is tomorrow, um, right after all you East Coasters are done fasting for Yom Kippur. Um, it'll be the Giants coming back and trying to score more than 13 points in their, than they did in their first game, and they'll be taking on the Washington football team, who, as we mentioned, lost late to the Los Angeles Chargers. So, um, Elijah, opening thoughts on the both of these teams trying to get on the winning side of things to begin their 2021 campaigns. Yeah. Uh, both teams played uh, two AFC West teams that I think are very good. I think the Broncos have a legit football team and the chargers, uh, you know, with Herbert now and uh, like with a, uh, you know, new coach, I think that like that game did not go very chargers. Uh, usually the chargers lose games like that, but um, anyway, it's not about, it's not about the chargers. Um, both teams own one very hungry for, for a W I like the Washington football team at home to get the dub. Uh, I'll tell you why. I think Daniel Jones has an immense amount of pressure on him to perform. And so far, he has not really been up to the challenge, especially, you know, in prime time under the lights in D.C. I just think that Chase Young's going to have a really good game. He'll get after the quarterback. Uh, I know, I, he, I'm pretty sure he did not have a sack last week. I think we'll get two uh, Thursday night. That's my bold prediction. Uh, and I think that they'll control time of possession. Jones will still have his yards. Uh, you know, it'll be a relatively competitive game, probably pretty low scoring too. And it, like, it could go either way, but I do think Washington is the better football team. They are the football team after all. That's and right. I think, they win. I, I think they win, let's say 24 to 16. 24-16, Washington yes. over New York. Okay, so yeah. um, I will say that Daniel Jones needs to take better care of the football. Since 2019, he has the most turnovers amongst quarterbacks, and he literally has only had three years. Um, he's in his third season now to actually do something like this. Um, I I told you guys in the last podcast I wanted to see Saquon Barkley do well. Unfortunately, he was held to 10 carries, 26 yards against the Broncos. Um, still battling back from that week two ACL tear. So, and he's also questionable for this game on Thursday night as well. But I expect him to play. The only reason why he's questionable at this point is because if there's any setbacks during practice with his knee, then obviously he'll get held out. But if everything starts to go the way it should, he should be on the field on Thursday night. So back to what you were saying about Chase Young, I agree. I think Young is going to have a big game against a very questionable Giants offensive line. Um, I don't necessarily expect it to be an eight point game per se. I think it might be a little bit closer than that. I'll say it might be 1916. That would be my prediction at this point. Washington still gets the win. I think we agree about that. But 1916 uh, feels very feels very on the money. It, well, maybe in the in, three. Maybe in a December game. Maybe in a December week 16 game. But this is again week two. So we. I, I think that both of these teams really haven't established themselves yet. Obviously we're only in week two, so we're kind of premature about what each team might go through. But um, in terms of just the coaching matchup alone, 
I love Ron Rivera. I think that he's got the upper hand against Joe Judge. But Judge has that hard-nosed mentality that I don't think has oozed into his team just yet. So 2021 will be a big year for the Giants overall. I think that they might be able to establish that sort of Joe Judge identity that he's been preaching in practice and having them get in brawls with other teams when they've been practicing during training camp. So I I, 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 I'd like to see what the Giants can become. I just don't think that it's that time just yet, but it's a good test to see what the NFCs can look like, especially with these two teams going up. And that's why I feel like it's going to be a very low scoring game. Okay. Sounds good. Um, uh, Yeah, no, I I agree. And I'm kind of a, like, you know, uh, like we've said, uh, I am very excited to see Heineke. Uh, Obviously we only got a little taste of what he could do in the wild card last year. Yep. Um, I, I just think that he'll, uh, uh, I think he'll do a really good job. Chase Young's at high praise for him. And I am, I'm, I'm excited for this game, uh, battle of, um, two teams in last year's worst division, but two teams that are getting a little better, which is nice to see. It really um, is. And it's just going to go up from here for, you know, all the NFL teams who I feel like are doing pretty well. And with the giants and Washington football team, those teams are going to be in the conversation because this, this is the NFC least you never know what yeah the outcomes are going to be like but it should be very exciting uh, 8 20 eastern 5 20 pacific tomorrow thursday um on nfl network go ahead and watch it um elijah this has been a really fun episode to record with you oh yeah make and sure we'll, to follow uh, we'll record again on friday to talk about uh, our previews yep make sure to follow elijah on twitter he's a lonky follow me on twitter at noah friedman underscore and get our podcast on uh, Anchor, which streams with Audacity, or not Audacity, I'm sorry, Spotify, and uh, Google Podcasts, yeah, podcasts. so um, sorry for the botch plug, but in any case, this has been uh, another episode of the Cross Country Sports Podcast. We'll talk to you guys on Friday, and we're excited to preview the week two schedule ahead. Happy holidays. Happy freaking holidays. Happy-